Hello and welcome back to the Author Archives podcast, where we continue with part two of my discussion with Laura McFarlane on author Wes Anderson. Listen now to find out the rest of our list of top five movies, along with our ultimate favourite, and stay tuned as well for some movie recommendations you may also enjoy if you are a fan of Wes Anderson's work. Thanks for listening and enjoy. number three so this flipped around from top three quite a lot um but my number three is Darjeeling Limited um so this was number two for the longest time but Grand Budapest I think just looks so much better I think than, than Darjeeling but again like you said Sophie's Choice they're all amazing to me um it's quite weird because not when I talk to other people about Wes Anderson, Darjeeling's quite low down. And I've seen some of the reviews on like Letterboxd and IMDb and the ratings aren't as high as some of the other ones. And I wonder, actually, for me, this was the film that I, I, underst- I got Wes Anderson. I saw this at the cinema and I was like, right, I'm on board with this quirky director that has these this different, unique way of filming. I'm on board with this these like we've already said these quick lines and that sort of dry humor and also i think what i loved is um because it was the first film i saw at the cinema of his it had the short film at the start which is um i can't remember it's called hotel chevalier that's it and um already in that what is it i think it's like 14 15 minutes long 20 minutes Mm -hmm. or something like that and already in that short thing you, you had that humor in there um, had Jason Schwartzman, which at that moment I didn't know who he was, um, and then randomly Natalie Portman's ass, which mm. is um, didn't expect that. Um, but yeah, um, and it was a great. I'm glad they put that in at the front of the film because it does reference it slightly later on, if only for the Peter Sarstedt song that they play later on, which actually is kind of a gag. Actually, kind of make, it's. Um, that they had they played it is kind of makes it the scene funnier without context it probably wouldn't have made any any sense really um but yeah i absolutely love it um i know we spoke about before the soundtrack alone um kind of has that um where it's got the kinks on there for for a start and again a rolling stones track which i absolutely love Mm -hmm. um but even just the indian sort of music that's running throughout um i can't honestly say i listen to a lot of indian music um but this soundtrack, I play quite a lot. Yeah, um, me too. I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I think as well, maybe it's if I just don't watch enough of them, but the setting, I don't think you see this setting in many films outside of um, Bollywood films or anything like that. So it's quite nice to have this as a kind of a relatively mainstream film to be having that setting that isn't perhaps put on show that often. Um and I think that's one of its strengths. I think it stands out 
if as a film on its own and also as a film of his where it's a complete setting shift for anything he's done prior to that um and again i before we started rewatching it I'd, I'd watched this relatively recently again anyway just because i absolutely love it it's so funny and i don't i don't know about you but those three even though you know them as separate complete actors they're convincing as brothers mm-hmm. and i don't know what it is but that i could when they're when they're together they just feel whether it's just because of the acting or what but they just make sense as brothers um which i think is a credit to them owen wilson i don't know if he is the standout i think they're all three quite standout in this in different parts of the film i think jason schwartzman's probably the funniest in the film and also i think he's called jack which i was like yeah he's the same name um uh, but Owen Wilson's quite good as the kind of the leader of the brothers, uh, or he likes to think he is. Um, uh, but those that trio just worked really well. Um, even the Bill Murray running at the start, mm-hmm. even the slow-mo, like the classic slow-mo scene again that he's got. Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, it's I, I could shift this around. Like if you asked me tomorrow, this could be number one, number two, I think. Um, but because I think it has a special place in it's the first film like i said that that kind of i understood and was on board with wes anderson and then that's why fantastic fox i think was more interesting to me when we was mentioning it earlier because this was the first film and then to see oh that director that's done that darjeeling limited which i liked is now doing animation i just thought wow that's a completely different u-turn on what i'd expect someone to do next um so yeah i i absolutely love it i, I think it's it's one of his best for me, easily. Yeah, it's um, it's my number one. It is yes, nice. Yeah. See, I, that doesn't even bother. Yeah, it's great. It's it's so good. And Why is it? Well, let's talk about it as your number one now, then. Yeah, it's uh, it's a film that I go back to quite a lot. And mm. actually, now that you're saying about when you first, I remember you first seeing it, and because I was already a Wes Anderson fan anyway, and I remember, I think probably just after college wasn't it I suppose 2007 it came out yeah so it would have been around that time yeah so I remember I remember you seeing it and you going this is great and there's a guy in it and he's called Jack and he he looks like me at the time as well like me and and I was like (laughs) yeah he does look he's got the same haircut and everything it's mad isn't it um and I think um not only is it one of my favourite Wes Anderson films, I think it's one of my favourite films ever. Amazing. Because, because of all the things that you've said, I love the preamble of the Hotel Chevalier and I love the Dargy. Like, I think, I, so I watched it, so I left it till last. So I watched right. it yesterday. Nice. Um, and it's Fresh. like, yeah, so like in my notes, I just put, it's like, um, it's like a warm hug. It's lovely. Yeah. I love it. It is. And I, I think what it is is because you have that kind of like I mean it's it's really like pretentious mm. totally like this whole the, the the short film at the start is it's Paris and I love Paris I've been so many times I yeah. you know I absolutely love it there I, I I would live there if I could you know it's wonderful and I love all that kind of stuff so it's it's right up my street and like you saying the Peter Starstead song as well it's, <laughs> it's wonderful it's quite it's or just on that quick i i love that song purely because of the film so i wasn't aware of the song previously and because of the film and how it's used and how it's funny i loved it and i played it a lot at home 
Mm. I think I was, yeah, I would have still been living at home at the time. And I just remember my dad walking in and going, why the fuck are you playing this yeah. song? I remember he said it was number one for the longest time and he would have heard it over and over again. And I remember he just hated it. But I was like, yeah, but you need to see the film. <laughs> yeah. But then funnily enough, just quickly again, um, I recommend that film for my parents to go and see. And they very rarely go to the cinema. And I wasn't sure how it would go down with them because it is quirky and a bit offbeat. But they come back and absolutely loved it as well and I, it just made me enjoy it even more that there's that yeah. film that we both now like we all now like which I just didn't think they would be on board with at all but mm. yeah, yeah. But I think that's because it's such a well-rounded well well-rounded film yeah. because it deals with death mm-hmm. which is a terrible thing to say but it's such a universal thing and I think this is why it this is why it's my number one because it's not only a Wes Anderson film and it deals with all of the different things that he usually deals with in his films and it's yep. about family relationships and um you know like it's absolutely visually beautiful sonically it's beautiful like yep. like you were saying so like all of the um the different things I mean I sent you a voice note of one of the songs <laughs> yes now my ringtone <laughs> <laughs> do 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 <laughs> do do <laughs> brilliant but it's just because it, it was just rattling about in my head because I loved it it was brilliant and I think yeah like you're saying again you know you can they're so convincing with brothers um I think it's quite um it's quite a good film to watch because people resonate with with death parents dying and what happens after that and how you know trauma um separates families and I think it's 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 something that you know it's not wide it's not widely spoken about but happens to each and every one of us even if it's not a death in the family if it's an illness in the family I think something like that it fundamentally shifts everybody and I think each person in a family deals with grief differently and it shows that really clearly, you know, like with Owen Wilson's character, you don't really find, spoiler alert, you don't really find out that basically he tried to kill himself. Um, Jason Schwartzman's character is so lost, doesn't understand what he's doing, so he's just ran away. He's just yeah. absolutely ran away, doesn't know what's going on, so he's living in Paris in a hotel room. And then Adrian Brady's character is, uh, his wife is pregnant, and he's so frightened that he has run away as well. So they're all on a mission to find their mother which yeah. I think is also really interesting as well because I think Wes Anderson gets a lot of flack um for not um showcasing uh female roles very well right yeah I think he he gets that quite a lot and not showcasing diversity as well which I yeah. think is a really good point he doesn't a lot of the time mm-hmm. um I think there are some really key female actors that he uses, like Angelica Houston, who is yes. just wonderful yes. in every single one of his films and is such a strong person throughout all of them. Um, in this one, you can see that, you know, as a mother, she's deeply flawed. Yeah. And I think that has then transitioned down to her children. They're all very lost and all they want, you know, is I, I, like they're all medicating each other themselves which I think is wonderful in that first the first third of that film is brilliant because they're all meeting up on this train and they're all trying to figure out 
what's wrong with each other they all talk about talk about each other behind each other's backs yeah and it just the pace of it is brilliant when that happens like they all run up to the train and then um adrian brady's character kind of um gets into the carriage and jason schwartzman's like asleep on the on the uh the bag and That's then it. and he just wakes up and then they just smile at each other and i'm like oh this is br- i love this film so much because it is because it is that sibling thing where like you probably hate each other but actually like when you do see each other at first you're like yeah exactly (laughs) i think i think that's that's the running thing is is they're dealing with grief and they're all dealing with it differently because then you're saying about adrian brody he's wearing a lot of his dad's stuff like he has his glasses and his belt and stuff like that and they're all dealing with like they feel like if they have it perhaps they can there's a you know he's with them sort of thing and Owen Wilson kind of becomes he's trying to become the leader of the brothers perhaps to replace his dad in a way to kind of get everyone else in check well I um, think that's his mother he's trying to be the mother yeah. so like when they go and see her like like in the final part of the film she does all the same things that Owen's been doing the whole right, way through yeah like okay so you'll have this I'll have the soup and then you'll have this and then I'll have that and then like can we agree to that great okay we're doing that and then yeah. that leading the charge he does exactly the same yeah. so i think he's and like he actually says in like the first third of the film as so i was just like did i raise us and everyone's a bit like oh come on mate i've literally just got on the train like, yeah exactly before we get into that you know <laughs> that kind of thing and then all on opioids which i think is yeah. just like they all switch around medication and like oh it's just it's brilliant it's just grief and trauma in a nutshell but dealt within such a funny way yeah i think wes does so well that i think this is the number one film of that yeah so like it's just a beautiful story about a family and how they've all separated and at the end they somewhat come together yeah exactly it seems to have a way of putting a i was gonna say a positive spin on a negative story basically is is if it was played straight this would be a pretty bleak film really yeah. um but he can he can deal with those sad themes but and put the positive spin on it and make you like you said an enjoyable film and like you can happily sit down and watch it but any other film perhaps dealing with those topics it could be a well a different type of viewing really yeah and i think I think what's brilliant about this is, and I've referred to it as in different thirds. So like the first part of it is very much them catching up with each other. And then Mm. the second part of that is the bit where it changes, where it switches. So like it was, it was just a comedy and they're all like a little bit fucked up and someone buys a snake and you know, (laughs) somebody buys pepper spray and all of these things happen. And then they go out into the desert, they get chucked off the train and that's where it all switches. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant because then that's the bit that where actually they get to the point where they mourn their father's death. Yeah. And they, they, actually, they actually, yeah, it's like when it's kind of, they address the elephant in the room, I guess. It's like at the yeah. start, they're, they're not really approaching the subject. And then they put in that situation where they essentially have to talk about it. That's when it all comes yeah. out. Because going to a funeral in India makes them relive the funeral that of their father that they turned up too late that their mother didn't go to that there was all these different things that happened um and then you have that flashback as well and then in the end they all just come together and go oh hang on a minute yeah so like we're all angry with each other but for what exactly 
now, really now you're talking about it, I, it makes me want to change it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to change the ranking again. But again, yeah. oh, they're all just so good. It's just they're so good. They're so good. And this is what I mean by it. So like definitely my top three jostled for position. But this I I say this with like yeah, like Darjeeling topped it for me because it's just nice. such a wholly rounded film that yeah. I think not only as him as an auteur, but also as a film, it was just brilliant. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, so that was your hold on. So that was my number three which yeah. also talked about your number one. Mm-hmm. So what's your number three? Have we done your number three? No. So my number three is um, Royal Tenenbaums. Interesting. Okay. Now, so, so this was at number one for a long time. Yeah. Until I rewatched Darjeeling, actually. And I think, so Royal Tenenbaums for me is like the quintessential Wes Anderson film. Yeah. If you were if you were talking to somebody and say, oh, "Have you ever seen a Wes Anderson film?" You go, "Watch the Royal Tenenbaums," because mm. what I love about this film is that it's not it's not crept over to mainstream yet, yeah. and it's also not it's not childlike like how Fantastic Mr. Fox would be or Moonrise Kingdom is quite childlike and that kind of like almost kind of going into like a fantasy film, yeah. It's still quite gritty, and what I love about Royal Tenenbaums is got is it's obviously got all of his main themes in there. So all of the montages, the the music, the music's absolutely awesome in Royal Tenenbaums. So good. I mean, starting off with Hey Jude and yep. stuff like it, like at the end, just, like at the start. Sorry, like it just as soon as I watched, it, I was like, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm here I'm, with the film. It's, it's like a comfort blanket. Ah, oh, yeah, we have totally. the same music taste. Yeah, and I think when we like, especially when you have that montage of all the different characters at the start. So yes, um, you know, you, and you go through everyone, and you think, oh, hang on a second, like I know, I know Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller, they're Starsky and Hutch. Hang on a second, <laughs> <laughs> they do other films. They do things like this. This is great. And I think my this was my entry film to Wes Anderson, and I think um, purely because I was quite into Wes Anderson. Uh, sorry, I was quite into Owen Wilson for a little while. Oh yeah, cheeky. I am um, guilty crush. I do really <laughs> love him. I do. I, I, it's weird, but I do. Um, and I, I kind of thought, oh, okay, this seems like it's quite a, quite a good film. So I got it on DVD and I watched it. And I was like, this is just brilliant. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, because then you start, especially with that montage, you kind of think, oh, hang on a second, Gwyneth Paltrow's in this. Oh, I know. And you know, like that really strange. Um. But yeah, it's just it's it's brilliant because it's it's such a wonderful entry level into Wes Anderson, I think, because of all of the different cinematic things that he does in it too. So all of the yeah. the montages and like the the whip cuts and all of those kinds of things, it all it's all there. But also I just think that the dialogue in this film is brilliant. So and good. It's so good in terms of the the humour is just it's so funny. And I think this was also co-wrote by um, um, Owen Wilson. So I think it, I think that, that show, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's it's a really interesting thing. And like him in the as a, as a character as well, Owen Wilson in this is troubled and quite interesting as well. I think he's the funniest thing in this as well. Well, like, as soon as you mentioned him, I just pictured him driving the car straight away with yeah, the American the headdress yeah. on. Yeah. Oh my god, that's just like the. I mean, that's one of the best 
things in that film as well as that end <laughs> where he's driving that car, car and just goes here I come he's <laughs> <laughs> just, just fantastic yeah and then you know like crashing into the house and then Ben yeah. chases him the whole way through it just it's a really good combination of that film as well and then they kind of st- stay there and just the both of them just go oh I think I need help did I kill the dog <laughs> yeah yeah he's dead <laughs> again bleak but funny it's just totally, yeah works. And it just another works thing that's brilliant about that as well is that you the you kind of after that bit you see that the car is like hit the building and it's also hit a post box and you can see a postman walking down the road going Oh, oh really? Oh yeah, no you're way! Not seeing it a bit. Yeah, so it's just like there's letters all over the place. <laughs> the crowd's going to pick it up. I just, I think it's brilliant, and I think, um, yeah, I think the characters in this is just the the, the casting. I think is brilliant yeah. in it, and I just, I just love it. I think everyone's brilliant in it. Um, yeah. But again, Easily. it deals with some really horrible themes, you know, like divorce, suicide attempt, suicide. Um, but it's the funniest film. <laughs> it is. It is. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so this is my number one. Oh, no way. This is my absolute number one. And it's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird story I've got with Tony Barnes. So I'm thinking now back, I, I won. So I've got, I probably bored you with it before, but I've got one of those thousand and one movies you must see before you die books. Mm-hmm. And I think mine's like a second edition one. So it was out in like 2004. Um, so I would have been still in school at this point. And I remember, so it would have gone up to films up to 2003, I think, at that point. And to, I was trying to remember starting going from the, the latest, so 2003 and working back and trying to see the films that I could see. And I would go on telly and I'd record things here and there and watch them. It would have been on like VHS or something probably at the time, possibly. Um, and I remember Royal Town Bombs come up. And I was like, I think at the time, so actually I think this would have been the first film I would have seen, but not at the cinema hmm. of his. And I just didn't get it. I, I watched it and I think I watched it too young and I just didn't really get it. And I thought that maybe this is too weird. And like, I didn't find it funny at the time. And um, I think I hadn't really, perhaps I was, hadn't really quite got into cinema as much as I had sort of later on and appreciated things that I wouldn't have at the time. I think I wasn't ready for that film, basically. And funnily enough, um, it wasn't until very recently I bought the Criterion Blu-ray of Tenenbaums, and that would have only been the second time I've ever seen that film. And it just, yeah, because for so long I thought, I was like, meh, it's okay. And then it was weird because obviously I'd seen Tenenbaums, uh, seen Tenenbaum. I'd seen Wes Anson films since then. I'd seen Darjeeling. I'd seen pretty much all of them. But for some reason, I just hadn't gone back to Tenenbaums at all. Um, and then watched it. I mean, I only bought that maybe two, three months ago. It's completely blew me away. Absolutely. I think that it's a masterpiece. Shocking. That is shocking. I know. I'm- shocked at that i know i'm still friends with you (laughs) i know i just didn't it just didn't get me whatsoever but this time around i think i just think it's a masterpiece i think it's his absolute best work i'd agree that it's his it's the perfect entry level film for him because it's not too quirky yet it's bearable quirky some films where he later on which you can appreciate if you're a fan because you've seen the journey he's done as a director to become that confident to do these things i think for someone who isn't a a massive film lover 
um that might be those films might be a bit too much it's like well chill out calm down i need to take all this in i think this is the right amount i think it's probably got one of the best soundtracks of his as well um and i think this is only his third film first third feature film um and already i think it's it's yeah i think like personally obviously it's his best film and to do it on his third attempt i think is is amazing like i said i think i've some notes now all the characters are amazing they're all standout characters like you said Gwyneth Paltrow can't say I'm a biggest fan but she's incredible in this Mm -hmm. um the scene when she's walking slow-mo to Luke Wilson is is amazing yeah Gene Hackman is great as kind of the dithery dad that you kind of not supposed to like but you can't help but like Gene Hackman is awesome in this film he's He's so good and yeah. he is, he's and just that bumbling idiot dad that again is a running thing for his through his films as well. Also just the way that he the way that the way that he speaks, I think is brilliant in this. Like his dialogue in this is just awesome. And what I really, really love, and I know this sounds terrible, but is the fact that he's obviously quite racist as well, which mm. and he you can tell by the way that he he's just like an intolerable like a horrible, horrible person, really. Yeah, exactly racist he's this and the way that um Wes Anderson spotlights somebody like that yeah um, for what he is but then how he then is brilliant like he obviously sees the error of his ways I think is brilliant in it as well just the way that he kind of um turns a corner like it was I think what's the bit where they find out that he he's he hasn't got cancer and he's <laughs> and then he's they just keep asking him I think it's um Angelica Houston just keeps asking him, have you got it? And he's just like, no, I haven't. And it's just like... Yeah, it's that as well. But but when he gets found out in the um, in the room, like, you know, like they find out that like the hospital doesn't exist. And the yeah. the, the elevator guy from the hotel. <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. Just, I think he like, he's waiting for a cab outside. And I think um, Luke Wilson says to him like, you were never dying but he's like but i'm gonna live but i'm gonna live <laughs> exactly like, he's <laughs> it's just again the quotes in this are just amazing and yeah. i think i think the thing that puts it over for me is is the shaving scene i think that's the that's the part in the film where it becomes something else up until that point it's a you know it does with it deals with kind of serious stuff but it has that comedic stuff that we've already covered multiple times now but that scene is probably the scene where it starts getting really real mm-hmm. um, um because obviously up to that point you don't really know what he's doing he's just he's just shaving i think it's off the back of finding out that gwyneth paltrow's character is kind of doing the dirty with someone else or something something like that and well, living like a second life isn't she she's yeah. living like a life that nobody knew anything about exactly and he's obviously in love with her and finds out and just takes it terribly so he just starts shaving which i think in itself is just quite it's quite a great scene that he's he's had all this hair and this big beard and he's just completely shaves it all off and then he just looks at the camera he's just like i'm going to kill myself tomorrow and then actually just does it there and i think it's the scene where it's the part where um up until that point it's kind of been jovial comedic stuff and then it comes really serious because it just the, the music cuts out and it's the Elliot Smith track which again got me into Elliot Smith after that slightly mm-hmm. um 
it just cuts and there's just no sound and it's just him on the floor and then the one of the characters comes in and he screams but you can't hear it it's just no audio and it becomes in that moment so serious like oh shit it's kind of gone a different direction a bit of a darker mm-hmm. route than it has been to that point and then it instantly cuts to them pushing him on a dolly down the down <laughs> through the hospital bill murray and they're all running to camera sort of right, jollily yeah. and it's yeah. like and we're back to being comedic again it's just so and it's just and then i'm sure there's one line afterwards gwyneth paltrow is running in going where is he and the character's like who it's like well, who else it's it could dudley. be it's dudley and i love that's dudley. it dudley's like the best thing in that film like dudley and bill murray's character yeah i can't remember what he's just his name is something saint clement that's um, it yeah he's studying dudley because he's just got terribly like he, he views the world in a very different way yeah exactly way. yeah and uh, yeah Dudley's like covered in blood coming out of like a ward unit and yeah Gwyneth Paltrow's like where is he and he's like who <laughs> <laughs> but like there's just like minutes after this like really harrowing dark scene and we're back to being comedic again I just think it's a, it's masterful yeah. he just flips between this upbeat scenes to down really downbeat bleak scenes and then back to upbeat again without sort of you know taking a breath it's I think it's fantastic I don't don't know whether this is me sorry to interrupt but I think for me like when you're you I mean there's a Woody Allen film that's this isn't I can't remember what it's called but it's basically around that either life is a comedy or a tragedy Mm. and I think like even in those moments of like craziness and um you know you're in the hospital or something's happened I mean this has happened to me mm. like sometimes something is so incredibly funny <laughs> yeah even in the, the bleakest of times it kind of yeah, totally and I think you know I think it's really honest that mm. it's not just like panic panic doom and gloom it's just like oh yeah well, actually there's there's parts of it just like what is going on yeah exactly oh yeah totally but I made a note of another scene that kind of slightly hit me and took me out the second time was just after the crash Ben Stiller turns to Gene Hackman and says I've had a rough year dad and I was like mm. it's after the whole film where they've not been speaking at all and they've been on and off it's when Ben Stiller kind of lets his guard down to his dad again and they yeah. kind of basically reunite in that moment I just thought that was a really touching it's moment. beautiful isn't it because he's just like I know you have Jazzy it's fine yeah, yeah. exactly and it's they, they've kind of got that relationship back again but which is brilliant because like Spen Stiller's character like sued him and you know, all these things like, all these ridiculous him. things yeah which and, is like, like he's like forever loved him the whole way through it which I think is beautiful as well which is a really redeeming part of Gene Hackman's character and something I read recently Gene had two things about Gene Hackman in this film is that he he and Wes Anderson didn't get on at all wow okay it's really interesting I can imagine it's a clash of personalities definitely they're very different people but also originally um Wes Anderson wanted Gene Wilder in this film oh oh he would have been good he would have been good wouldn't he but I don't know but I think he'd have been obviously good whereas Gene Hackman is like unobviously good I think Gene Hackman delivers rage. Oh no, actually, I'll take that right back as soon as as it came out of my mouth. (laughs) Back in because Gene Wonder does rage so well. Yeah, even in Wonka. Brilliant, right? In that scene where they go into the tunnel and he's just like (laughs) round and round and (laughs) it's like what the fuck's going on here? Fantastic. But Yeah. yeah, I I think. Yeah, second time round, 
was it's like watching it a different um a different film i think for the mm. first time i just appreciate it so much more um uh and i just definitely up there as one of my favorite films ever as well not just wes anderson but up there is one of the best i think for me so yeah definitely my number one was it um when i was re-watching it recently and i mean i don't know how many times i've watched it now but i think the reason why i really love it as well is that it's that kind of 1970s vibe new york mm. that I really yeah like. yeah yeah it's, so a great it's almost setting. a bit like i watched mean streets for the first time recently and nice. it's a bit like that yeah. I find like early Scorsese and rough um, around the edges sort of yeah really rough and I think that's what's brilliant about those early Wes Anderson films is that they're really rough like that whereas when they, they get a little bit more finesse yeah 100% start to lose that edge and I think Grand Budapest is still got it whereas that's where Moonrise Kingdom yeah failed for me because yeah. it was just almost a little bit too pristine whereas Royal Tenenbaums is so it's still quite gritty in places and you could tell that that house that they filmed in was that house and it was probably going to fall down yeah and um you know like what I really loved about that film as well is that every character had a uniform and Mm -hmm. again it it kind of showed you who they were and what they were doing and um like for example like Owen Wilson's character like he was the kid that across the road and throughout when they were children he would turn up in like a little suit and a blazer and kind of thing and then once he got really famous he started wearing a cowboy hat and like yeah. fringe tassels and things like that <laughs> and he got like really into more flamboyant it. yeah and one one of the scenes that i wanted to because you've not mentioned it that i think is absolutely brilliant in that film is when they do the intervention with owen wilson <laughs> 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 with eli when they go to see eli and then he's just like uh, I don't know who he's with, but he's with a load of random people, and he's obviously yeah. like doing something bad. Yeah. And um, Gene Hackman and Luke Wilson, <laughs> and like Gene Hackman at this point is wearing like an elevator. That's it, um, like a lobby boy sort of, like a lobby boy kind of uniform. So he's a bit like, "What's going on?" <laughs> he doesn't want his friends to go, so he goes, "Oh no, don't." Okay, all right, yeah, go. And then they start talking, and then it's like, "Yeah, no, I know, I need." I need help. I really do need help. And then he just like, <laughs> just legs it. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. It's yeah. just perfect. I think it's. It is, I think it's fantastic. I think it's. Yeah. But the so music good. in this, I would. I would say that the music in this is just wonderful. Like the Stones and Nico and Donovan and Nick Drake and you know. And also the Ramon scene, the montage where uh, it's all the yeah. people that um, Gwyneth Paltrow's got with. Yeah. And it's just it's just it's such a good song that works there for that montage. It's so good. Yeah. Um, right, so that's I've kind of lost track now. So that I think I've done all mine now. Um, inadvertently. So I've so your number three was ten bombs. Royal bombs, yeah. So we'll go to I think this is the last one then. So you'd be your number yeah. two. Yeah, my number two is the Life Aquatic. Okay, nice. Yeah. interesting yeah yeah I, I i love it i really love it yeah but i, I think there's, there's probably three key things with this with, with this one for me is that bill murray can i yeah can i guess one of them yeah go on the amount of bowie covers i mean sure why not <laughs> yeah anything that's got bowie throughout yeah is fine with me. exactly yeah. yeah bill murray and, yeah um, yeah I mean, yeah, that's number one. I was going to leave that to three, but yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's, all the, it's all the Bowie, all the Bowie in it. Yeah. Um, and 
Bill Murray is just just brilliant in it. You know, this is this is his film, I think. Yeah, more than anything, and um, he carries it really, really well. But also, <laughs> number three for me is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> he is good in this. I give you that. He is good in this. Brilliant, and I think my favourite part with him is um, when it's actually really early on in the film when they're at the the film festival that they go to in Venice. It looks like. Mm. Um, or Rome, I think it might be Rome actually um, and so Steve Zuzu is uh, talking about the part one of the film where his friend dies and is yeah. eaten by this shark which is the whole point of the film is that they go back in part two to try and find this shark and and as he rightly put it, what's the point of this film? Revenge <laughs> It's brilliant Yeah, it's great <laughs> Not to keep it for or like take pictures of it. No, I just want to kill it because it kills my friend. <laughs> exactly. That's the barn. That's the barn. <laughs> Freaking out in the sea. I love that bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a crazy eye. Um yeah, and um then he's he's out doing the press and stuff, and then um Jeff Goldblum's his his like nemesis. Yeah. Both where they like travel that's it and they break into his like base or something don't they at one point yeah they break into his base and it's just jeff goldblum's voice saying hello please stop breaking into my there are people coming to find you right now (laughs) (laughs) but i the the first bit that i really liked at the film festival is when they have to like do like a press thing together where they take pictures together and he says oh hello steven Oh, what what's the thing that you, you that um jaguar shark yes um yeah that that thing like just really making him feel like yeah which i think is brilliant and yeah. the fact that he was married to bill murray's his, wife which angelica houston mm. his wife so it's already got layers and layers of stuff yeah. which i think is brilliant and yeah i think jeff goldblum is brilliant in this so yeah i'm a big fan of his i think he's brilliant jeff oh goldblum. yeah he's fantastic if ever since yeah, oh yeah, I follow yeah, hundred percent. Ever since Jurassic Park as a kid, and I was like, I already like you, and I, I'm too young to, un- to understand why yet. Yeah, I don't know why, but I like you. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> he's just quir- again, he's quirky, and that's why he fits into a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. If he, when he was a, in, you know, when you see him in a film, it's like, yeah, he fits the bill perfectly. Yeah. Um, the thing is, so for me, I don't love Life Aquatic as much as you. I watched it again, and I. I, I don't know what it is because again I love Bill Murray it's funny in parts um the Bowie music the cover is it's incredible I love it absolutely love it but I just um I think it's in the middle it, it dips for me it gets quite slow mm. um and it just gets a bit it, it's kind of like right come on let's get to the actual Jaguar shark stuff again it's just a lot of build-up and I thought that took me out of it slightly um not that I'm um, totally ripping it off it, it just didn't quite i think if i if i had to put it somewhere it'd be number six i just mm. think i laugh more in sort of rushmore and the other films as well yeah um but you could tell that this has kind of led him into the fantastic mr fox animation because there's elements of it in there isn't there you've got that that colorful seahorse at the start that he has yeah. in the like water um bag of water and he yeah. puts it in the in the champagne flute as well and, and carries it out. Yeah, I, love, I love that bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just after the fight as well. And that guy goes, "Who are you going to kill in part two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. um. So yeah, I, I still I still like I I like it. I just don't love it like the rest of them. I think. But um. Yeah, I think I think 
it's definitely a Bill Murray film. And I think maybe where your kind of your point is, and I think it's valid, is that, you know, it hangs quite a lot on him. Yeah. So I would say there's quite a lot of ad-libbing in that. So that there's some, probably some things in there that had happened. But I think I think there's some really wonderful characters in it as well. So Angelica Houston plays an awesome person in it. Like yeah. she's just brilliant in it the whole way through, just that deadpan really strong individual that I really 100%. like um and then Kate Blanchett is in it as well isn't she so yes but she's almost unrecognizable with the accent like it's to the point where I was like is that actually her because it's such yeah. a convincing full-on British accent yeah um, she's great in it though she's, she's brilliant fantastic. yeah and I think uh, again not to sound like I really love Owen Wilson no, I don't I think... slightly yeah. do so I do yeah I think he plays a character in this that you wouldn't normally place as well. So he's quite an introverted, mm. um, quite a lost soul in it, quite quiet, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, and I think what I think what's what what hell holds it all together is the fact that you don't know whether they're definitely father and son. Yeah. You can't trust it the whole way through. And I think that's what keeps it going. And I think what's brilliant about that is that they aren't they they make some kind of friendship anyway, which is which is brilliant. And like I think my one of my favorite things is when they, they go to like, I don't know what it what it is, but it must be some kind of like um like a club for like uh travelers. Oh, I can't remember what it is, but it's mm. like a society or something like that that they go to, club for travelers. <laughs> Pikey Park. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's like a, a society for and it's like a yeah like a club that they go to and mm. um steve overhears them some young guys like talking about him and how he's kind of washed out and he's you know not very good anymore and he wears that tiny little like diamond earring like who the hell does he think he is and it cuts to him on the street and he just like takes the earring out and plums <laughs> <laughs> because really he yeah because he walks into the room and they and he's standing in the door for like two minutes before they realize yeah. he's there and then he walks off in a strop like yeah. sitting hunched on the curb and like oh wilson's there to kind of like reassure him yeah, yeah. well it should like, be the on, it's like, like the roles reverse isn't it it should owns yeah. the parent in that situation exactly yeah and you know like you start to unfold that actually um Steve Zizou knew about him the whole way through and like never contacted him and you know and I think that's what Wes Anderson does really well is that actually like the main the main guys in his films they're really flawed and I yeah. don't think they're ever they're ever kind of glorified into like they're like the cool like really cool or anything like that no. they never they never are and I think actually they're supported very much they're all like mommy's boys really yeah like, they're yeah. all searching for that approval and they're all searching for a really strong female which I think is quite interesting too so yeah. they're all vying for Angelica Houston's um attention uh, approval yeah and her yeah. attention because actually she's the smartest one out of all of them she knows all of them she's like they actually say that like she has all the encyclopedias and she knows exactly what everything is and mm. you know all that kind of stuff so I think it's really wonderful and I really like the um yeah like the stop motion that they have in that as well and the illustration and I think the 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 bit where you actually get to see the jaguar shark is wonderful so in yeah. the submarine and they've got that Sigur Ross song on it and yes that's just, that is a good bit yeah I do love wonderful. that bit but yeah. that's I think as well like a really good thing about that film as well is um 
and that he's carried through all of his films is that ensemble of people and yes. I think what I like what I really love about the life aquatic is that it's it's almost like a bit of a team of people so and he actually yeah. said that um he he kind of uh noted Star Trek as a bit of an inspiration for like the old school Star Trek. That like makes William sense. Shatner. It's, that, it's yeah. the same sort of like, you know, camaraderie team on a venture somewhere. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And like they're all wearing those Adidas trainers. And, and the red hats. red hats. Yeah, it's so good. It is a great yeah. uniform, I'll give them that. It is, it's cool, isn't it? And like when I, because I've got a book of Wes Anderson, so when I saw that there was a picture of like Star Trek next to like a team of the Team Zizu, for example, I was just like, oh, this is why um, I like it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, because I just remember thinking like, because like, do you remember when old Star Trek was like shown on like, Saturday nights or something yeah. from in the nineties or something, and it was really cool. Even in the sixties, like it, like it was just such it's such a cool vibe. Like I really yeah. like it. I feel just it's a, really. I just love the idea, of just that in any sort of thing where it's like a team of people are going on an adventure to somewhere, and you know, all the team play their own part and stuff and work mm-hmm. together. Always love that sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I think the the other scene that I was just going to mention, I made a note of was. Um, I think where they start to use more in later Wes Anderson films is the is the cross section scene of the boat on the submarine, mm. and they go through all the rooms, and each room is like they're panning across, and they're explaining what each one does, and that, the voiceover is another thing they use quite a lot in um, in his films, and I just thought that was quite because he's I imagine he built the set and was you know going yeah. through each bit and everyone's you know on cue for the bit when the camera's on them they're doing their scene and there's even that bit where they've got like is it dolphins or yeah it's dolphins at the bottom and they just swim in this part of the submarine and, they, and i think he says something like i don't know i don't know why we have them they don't they don't give us any sort of information or something i can't remember yeah well they're like tracking dolphins and it's actually it. one of the the bits of artwork that i've got is it <laughs> love it it's just such a throwaway thing and it's like but it, it's just brilliant. It just works yeah, so well. But it's like we've got just a quote up in a frame that basically says, son of a bitch, I'm sick of these dolphins. <laughs> what? So that's the one in your house that people walk past and go, what What do you mean? Fuck? And then the other one is from Royal Tenenbaums, which I forgot to say, was um, when Richie um, loses the tennis match. So he like completely blows <laughs> his career. And the commentator says something, I don't know what's going on here, but taking one of his shoes off and one of his socks and I, I think he's crying that is literally in a frame <laughs> in my kitchen don't know why we have no idea we love it <laughs> and it will remain there and take it to your new house yeah new house it will be there yeah nice. love for that. people to go and in fact what I absolutely love it is when people go into our house and go yeah. where's I don't I don't understand that and he's like don't worry you don't need to yeah you're not cool enough uh, yeah, loser cool. <laughs> <laughs> love it Right, I think we've actually got through all of them yeah, uh, in a bit of a random order. So what I'll quickly do, we'll just quickly go run down what we did because I know we kind of went out of order. So so I'll go from my, so my list, I've got number five, I've got Fantastic Mr. Fox. Number four, I've got Rushmore. Number three, Darjeeling Limited. Number two, Grand Budapest Hotel. And then number one, Royal Tenenbaums. What have you got for yours? So mine is number five, Fantastic Mr. Fox, number four, Grand Budapest, three, Royal Tenenbaums, number two, The Life Aquatic, and number one, Darjeeling. Nice. Perfect. Um, And then just towards the end, I was going to see if there's any 
I don't think we've really spoken about any other films that might have influenced it or any any films that you would recommend to people who like this sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so I'll go with my one first. And it was actually on the back of not liking The Rice Kingdom. Um, <laughs> it made me, it reminded me of other films that I do like that are slightly similar in the sense that they're, they're child-led or the main characters are, are kids in it. Um, there's two I think that I could quickly mention so Jojo Rabbit which came out again at the start of this year before lockdown uh, similar thing it kind it did remind me of Moonrise Kingdom as you watch it um, there's they've got they've got this Cub, Cub Scout sort of set up at the start and obviously later on it goes into um, more of the World War II side of things as well but at the start they've got this Cub Scout vibe um, and it's it, you could kind of tell it perhaps was influenced by Moonrise Kingdom. Um, they've all got that similar outfit and they've got a similar sort of filming style. Um, it's it's definitely better than Moonrise Kingdom. So anyone like yourself who doesn't like Moonrise Kingdom, I'd suggest Jojo Rabbit to watch instead. And the other one, I think it's a forgotten film that not many people I know talk about is Son of Rambo. Have you ever seen Son of Rambo? No. It's, it's so it's a so it's a British. Um, movie uh, i think it came out 2007 as well i remember seeing this at the cinema and basically it's two kids and they watched rambo or they love action films and they go out and basically um set up and try to film their own action film mm. and uh, they get all their friends together and uh, basically it starts off with two friends and they get more friends and they get more involved and the films get more like elaborate and stuff like that and it's just it's just great fun it's just a good wholesome film um and again it just blows moonrise kingdom out of the water in re regards to films that are around that sort of childhood you know looking back as a childhood thing which i, I resonated more in those two films i think and having sort of childhood friendships more mm. than and anywhere close to moonrise kingdom it's just so dejected from it i think i just didn't resonate whatsoever so yeah those were my two films is there anything you would recommend or on the back yeah. of those or i've got a few actually so there was a couple that immediately what came to mind was amelie yes yeah i, I that was another one that i was going to put as a, another quirky yeah. film yeah good shout it's like in terms of like um cinematography and mm. that kind of thing it's it's very similar i think um and then um, I was thinking, so, I mean, with Wes Anderson, he works really closely with um, Roman Coppola, who is Sophia Coppola's brother, I think. Right, yeah. Um, so, and Jason Schwartzman's cousin. Ah, okay, didn't know that. Yeah, and who, their other cousin, by the way, is Nick Cage. Oh, I knew, I knew, I knew Nick Cage was Coppola. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea about that. It's crazy, isn't it? Mad. It's mad. Um, so I thought Lost in Translation because of Bill Murray, for yes. one. Yes, good shout. But also just the uh, the little things that I really love about Wes Anderson films, that kind of subtle pauses and um, the, just the dialogue here and there and just maybe even just like a couple of the glances and stuff and that nice. kind of thing. And then... Um, Annie Hall I think is quite similar which I think is really interesting that Wes Anderson like when I was looking at it I thought Wes Anderson like what are his kind of um inspirations and things and I think Clockwork Orange and mm. like, Kubrick films for sure yeah. like, the, I was gonna say more like the meticulous side I think 
Yeah, I I imagine he's inspired by Kubrick because yeah, no, um, me being a ridiculously massive Kubrick fan knows of like his intensity and the scrupulous detail he'd go into, which feeds again straight into Wes Anderson is prominent in everything he's done. So yeah, totally. I think The Shining is very um, it's like the Royal Tenenbaums. I think it's, mm. I think it's quite there, but it's not something that he's listed as an inspiration, which I think is really interesting. But yeah. um. Yeah, I think like a lot of Kubrick films and also I think Hitchcock, I think any kind of Hitchcock films like Rear, Rear Window, I think is a really big because it's got that that element, you know, like you were saying about um, the life aquatic where you've got that massive set of the submarine. Yeah, you've got it's like with Rear Windows, obviously, you've got that whole set of that apartment block and you can see what's going on in each of those different apartments and who lives in where. I think that's yeah. very Anderson. Um, and then another one that I thought that was quite good, that's kind of a bit like a bit like. Rushmore I think is Youth in Revolt uh, oh wait no I have seen that that's um, what's the guy's name Michael he's in Sarah. Superbad that's the one yeah, yeah he's brilliant it he's is brilliant. I remember seeing that at the cinema I'm thinking why are people not talking about this as much I remember thinking it was funny yeah. it's like a, from what I remember it's he go he goes or he meets someone while they're on like a summer retreat like a summer mm-hmm. holiday in America yeah and he's like this quirky young teenager that's trying to kind of rebel I guess yeah obviously it's in the name yeah and I think uh, from what I can remember I haven't seen it for years but it's um he's it's almost like his alter ego kind of starts telling him to do things and he does things that are just like brilliantly funny and it's almost (laughs) what I really love is that his alter ego has like a moustache and kind of like talks in a French accent it's just like what the hell are you doing you should do this you know like he's just he's brilliant he listens to like really cool music and like doesn't give a shit about stuff and I think it's brilliant so yeah I think little things like that but yeah and what one thing that I thought was interesting when I mentioned Annie Hall as well he didn't mention any Woody Allen films in any which I think I don't know whether that's a tactical thing that he's trying to move away from Woody Allen because everybody else is at the moment Mm, Um, yeah and I I I for one I'm doing the same because I love Woody Allen but of course quite a difficult subject at the moment 100% um you know he would be up there with one of my favorite directors and I yeah. probably rethink quite a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> it's such a shame though because I, he's not a director I've dug into that much to be honest and ever since hearing all this stuff it just makes yeah like you said just don't want to get anywhere near it really and I think Annie Hall was my entry film for Woody Allen as well yeah well I think it was when I so when we were at college we did our um, we did we did a project on auteurs didn't we and we yep. were all given different directors to um do our essays on and yep. research and you were given Kubrick and I was given Woody Allen and yep. I think I think and I mean like I've got I can actually see it I can actually see the folder as I'm talking you know it's down here in a box nice. I can see it um <laughs> and I loved all of those films and I I personally think like Royal Tenenbaums is very Annie Hall personally. yes yeah but it's weird that it doesn't get mentioned. Yeah. But it's probably a reason why I would have thought that. Yeah. Hey-ho, that makes sense. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like how times change, different things happen, and yeah. But it's it's I think it's it, I think it's definitely something that I would say is an influence on his films, whether he says it or not. Yeah. No, that, that, I think that's fair enough. Right that has flown by um yeah it's nearly two hours jeez 
That's, well, that's got pretty quick. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for that. Uh, much appreciated. That's quite a good good chat. Actually, we covered quite a lot. Pretty much everything with Wes Anderson. I think the only other film we didn't talk about was Isle of Dogs, which I don't mind. I just prefer Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, um, that's interesting, isn't it? But I did I watched the trailer like about half an hour before. Speaking yeah. to you, thought it's the only one I haven't watched. <laughs> yeah, but then I knew. Uh, to be honest, I hadn't watched it because I knew it wouldn't even come close to top five. I remember enjoying it, oh. but it kind of left it at that, really. So, mm. um, lovely. Yep, yeah, cool. Thanks again for your time. That's uh, two hours of your evening. You won't get back again. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, <laughs> no, I've had a lovely time. Thank Good. You. Um, much appreciated, and um, we'll perhaps get you on again soon. We'll do like another top five or something down the line, anyway. But um, yeah. of who though? Of who? What? Who? Would oh, do? we can do top five anything. Doesn't have to be director. It can be anything. Anything. We could do top five Jeff Goldblum films for a start, or Owen Wilson. Great. No, don't. I, let's not. Let's not make. It you love him. Don't even lie. <laughs> all right we'll leave it there and uh thanks again and i'll speak to you soon thanks mate cheers